Please be seated. Happy New Year, everyone. Good to see you all in this new 2023. Um, so you may notice um, behind me, there is a missing window. It's a missing stained glass window, very historic here at St. Peter's Chelsea. And it's normally, if it was here, of Jesus calling Peter and Andrew. And underneath it says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. When I first came here uh, to St. Peter's back in uh, October 2019, and people were kind of telling me about the things that need to get done, and so one of them was restoring that window. Um, but it was gonna cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, and there are some other priorities that we have ahead of restoring that window. But I kind of loved the fact that it wasn't here. I mean, number one, I love natural light. And I'm just trying to imagine if that was a stained glass window, just how dark it would be in here. But I also feel like I'm a very symbolic person, and I always um, just often see the deep, a, a deeper meaning behind these things. And what I thought at that time and said to the congregation is, like a lot of times churches can get really tied to their stained glass windows, more so than the one who is depicted in the window. And what I loved about the fact that like Jesus was missing from the window is I had this image in my mind of how the way that Christians in the church often like keep Jesus locked into the stained glass. And it was like Jesus was just breaking out of that stained glass window. And that Jesus was saying, you can't keep me locked up in that window because I am here, I am risen, I am alive, and I am among you now and saying that same message, holding out his hand and saying, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. And I've always had this sense that even though that is just a general call of discipleship to any of us who would follow Jesus, that the fact that, that, has, that that's what that window has been here at St. Peter's, I've always felt that that window and what it depicted, that scene that it depicts, is really central to St. Peter's identity and vocation as a church. So if I could impart one gift to St. Peter's during my tenure here as the priest, if I could put like one stake in the ground about anything, it would be this, discernment, the gift of discernment. I believe that discernment is discipleship. Discernment is how we actually go about following Jesus throughout the course of our lives. And discernment is how St. Peter's lives into its identity and vocation depicted in that missing window. So discernment was not a word that was on my radar as it relates to faith until I picked up a book called Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton. The women's group and the vestry are actually both reading it right now. And this is her definition of discernment. She says, discernment is the increasing capacity to recognize and respond to the presence and activity of God, both in ordinary moments and in the larger decisions of our lives. Let me just read that to you again. Discernment is the increasing capacity to recognize and respond to the presence and activity of God both in the ordinary moments of our lives 
and in the larger decisions of our lives. And she describes discernment as a habit. It's a way of seeing that eventually permeates our whole lives. And it's this journey, as depicted in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 9, it's this journey from spiritual blindness, not seeing God anywhere or seeing God only where we expect to see God, to spiritual sight, finding God everywhere, especially where we least expect it. So the other person who's really impacted me deeply on this is St. Ignatius of Loyola. He's the founder of the Jesuits. In my first year here at St. Peter's, I went through um, what's called the spiritual exercises. And it's these set of prayer exercises that were developed by St. Ignatius to develop specifically this capacity for discernment. And so he writes that the goal of discernment is learning to, quote, find God in all things. Find God in all things in order that we might love and serve God in all. And it's a, this beautiful thing, you know, back to, to Barton, you know, it talks about it is that quality of attentiveness to God that's so intimate that over time we develop an intuitive sense of God's heart and purpose in any given moment. You know, think about what it's like to, to, to learn and just grow so intimate with the voice of someone you love. You just know it's them. You know that it's them. And then to align ourselves with what it is that we're sensing. You know, that's the responding, the action part of this. And in that sense, the goal of discernment is not to discern. It's not just about discerning the will of God, but coupled together hand in hand is discerning and doing the will of God. You know, there's some people who are always discerning, right? They're always talking to people about decisions they have to make. They're getting counsel. Maybe they're praying about it. They're mulling things over. They're making lists of pros and cons, but they never actually do anything. Can anybody identify with that, right? You're just always stressing about something, but then you never actually do anything. Never pull the trigger. But then there are others, and I, I think I put myself in this category, who are always doing, always just jumping right into the action, always saying, okay, this is what I think we should do, but then never actually stop to discern and to listen and to ask God, God, what is your will in this? Where are you at work in this? What is your heart? So just stop and think for a moment, reflect on yourself. Do you tend to be a kind of discerning all the time, but never actually doing, or kind of doing all the time, but never discerning kind of person, or maybe you're, you're kind of a mix of both, depending on the situation. The reason why this is so important is because our gravitational pull as human beings is always to lean on our human wisdom and to look at things from a very human perspective, which makes sense, right, because we, we are human. And so we do that thing of making a list of pros and cons, looking at all the different options, talking to people, getting counsel, come up with a strategic plan. You know, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. All of those things are important, but they are limited. And what is often the case, even for Christians, even for churches, is that we do all of those things, good, good noble, helpful things, without putting a stake in the ground and saying, God, Above all else, we desire your will and your purposes in this. What is your will? 
How can we be intentional about how we go about seeking that will? Because you can do all of those things, strategic plans, talk to people, list of pros and cons, and completely miss the presence and activity of God in, in that moment. So I think about um, when, I, when I came to St. Peter's and was discerning that decision. And you know, as, as you all know, like St. Peter's was, had been struggling for many decades, and there were just a few people left in the congregation. There wasn't a ton of money around. We had these huge crumbling buildings desperately in need of renovation. And he, purely human wisdom, as I was making that decision, would have been no way, <laughs> no way. Serving wonderful, beautiful church that I loved, vibrant community, people who really loved me and valued me. But as always, I desire to have a posture of openness to God. You know, just we've just celebrated Advent and Christmas. Mary saying, Here I am, the servant of the Lord, may it be to me according to your word. The problem with that is then when you say that, when you start to be open and stop trying to cling to certain outcomes and start surrendering yourself, just watch out, because crazy things are going to start to happen. And coming here was not easy, not least because the people at St. Peter's were not super enthusiastic about me coming with this group from All Angels. There was anxiety, there was suspicion, there was fear, there were words being used like, this is a hostile takeover. I remember one of these challenging congregational meetings, someone standing up and saying, you know what, we've had a lot of priests like you, idealistic, having all these ideas, but you know what, they all failed. And I was like, okay, <laughs> great. You know, and it's thankfully I have a gift of empathy because I was like, you know what, that's understandable. If I was them, I'd feel the same way. And I felt like compassion. But that's not exactly the same as feeling wanted. I'd been recently approached by several other churches, one of which was my dream job about going to serve there. And there was part of me that wanted to be like, you know, I'm kind of a big deal in other places. <laughs> There's some places that actually want me. <laughs> and I remember my church planting friends at the time, they were like hearing my stories and they're like, Christine, don't do this. Like, this is not best practices. In a situation like this, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to shut that congregation down, and then you plant a brand new church so you can start with a, a clean slate. And if the old members want to join, they can. Um, but it's a new thing from the get-go. And I was like, I know this isn't best practices. <laughs> like, I, I can't even believe I'm thinking about doing this. But as I was trying to be open to the spirit, I could not deny that God was in this. I didn't feel like, and I, not that I had the power to anyway, you know, this, to just shut it down. And because when I looked at the book of Acts, what I also noticed and brought me comfort is the apostles did not have best practices. They didn't have this great strategic plan that was like mapped out for the next 10 years. What they had was the spirit. They had the Holy Spirit that Jesus had given to them, and they prayed, and they sought God, and they listened, and then they acted based on what they heard. So for example, in the book of Acts, you've got the story about the apostle Philip. And all it says in that story, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, all it says is that the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go stand on that road. 
And that was it. He didn't say, go stand on that road and this Ethiopian eunuch is going to come by and you're going to share the gospel. He was just like, just go stand over there, you know, and wait. Now imagine if you're Philip, you'd be like, what's the plan? What do you want me to do? I, maybe I need some training before I head over there. No, he just, he heard the spirit. He went over there and then the Ethiopian eunuch walked by. And I remember walking away from those really hard meetings with that original group at St. Peter's. And in this inexplicable way, I still felt open. And I remember after the last meeting, walking just right out of the front door on 20th Street and saying to God, God, if you open the door, I will say yes. But I have no idea what I'm doing. And I have no idea how to turn this around. And I felt God say, Christine, just get embedded in there. And once you're there, I'm with you. And I will show you what to do. And it was this feeling of like this, I've said again and again, like this river was flowing. Like this river of the Spirit was just flowing. And simply by just being open and saying yes, of a sense of getting caught up in the current of that river and just trying to pay attention and just noticing sometimes the river, the waters are really turbulent. Sometimes they're a little bit smooth and calm. But either way, it was a sense of how can I grow in this attentiveness to God and get an intuitive sense of what God's presence and activity are doing in the midst of this situation. So the season of Epiphany is the season that comes right after Christmas. And it takes us all the way up to Ash Wednesday on Lent. And Epiphany is all about being this season of revelation. That's what the word epiphany, epiphany means, revealing, manifestation, illumination. It's a season of seeing. So think of the, the anchoring story of Epiphany. It's the story of the Magi who see the star and they don't know where it's going to land, but they just keep following it until it finally rests over the place where Jesus is with Joseph and Mary so that they can bring these gifts and worship him. And so the prayer of Epiphany is this. It's just simply, Lord, I want to see. Lord, I want to see. And so what we're going to do as a church in the season of Epiphany is to focus on growing in discernment. We're going to be reflecting on these passages in Epiphany over the next five or so weeks and really looking at what do these scripture passages tell us about learning to recognize and respond to the presence and activity of God. And it's a, it's a deep journey because there are a lot of things that can stand in the way of us being able to grow in that. You know, our own attachments, our fears, our anxieties, the wanting to control outcomes, you know, all of those things. And so we're going to spend some time reflecting on that during Epiphany. And then also just give you an opportunity. I'll say more about this during announcements. But we do this thing called Family Table that we started in the fall which is group spiritual direction. And it's all about learning how do we exercise this muscle of prayerful listening rather than always trying to fix things and fix people and control. We'll pro provide some follow-up resources in our weekly email next week. 
And so it's a little different today because I haven't actually talked specifically about the passages that we read for today in our lectionary. But I just want to leave you with a story that relates to the gospel reading about Jesus's baptism, because I believe that the heart of that story is really the beginning of discernment. It's where our journey of growing in discernment begins. You really can't discern without this. And so there's this moment of Jesus, and he's beginning his earthly ministry. He has not done anything. He hasn't taught anyone. He hasn't healed anybody. And in this moment, before he's done or accomplished anything, we hear, as he's being baptized, this voice from heaven that's saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And just this affirmation from the father's heart, just this heart of love for the son, just because you are loved because you are loved now many of you know the story of me and jimmy's journey with infertility and i remember in that season um, of really grieving the loss of what i always thought we would have when we were first married the loss of this future family of being becoming a mother and father becoming a family. And I remember really grieving during that season and saying, God, where are you in this? Like, wh what are you doing in this? Where are you in the middle of this? And that's when I picked up this book, Sacred Rhythms, and I read this word discernment as it relates to faith for the first time. And I remember in that book, she was talking about the theological foundations that are essential to the work of discernment. And the first one was this. She says that God's intentions towards us are deeply good. That God's intentions towards us are deeply good. It's this belief in the goodness of God, the love of God for us. And I don't know that if I was writing that chapter, if I would start there, I might start in like another place. But after having sat with this for so many years now, to me, it makes so much sense because it is very difficult to discern to truly be open to the will of God, to be free enough to follow where we hear that voice of Jesus calling us when you don't trust God. As someone once said that, you know, in these moments of uncertainty, that we, we ask three questions of God. We ask God, do you love me? Are you with me? And can I trust you? Are you, do you love me? Are you with me? Can I trust you? And if you're not sure if God loves you and is with you and is trustworthy, how can you truly open yourself up in freedom to listen and to follow God's will for you? And so the first thing before anything else is just getting in touch with and getting grounded with that identity as God's beloved. Those who are growing in their awareness of how loved they are by God, that God is for them and not against them, are those who then are more open to receive, more free to follow Jesus, more free to find God in all things. And so I'm going to just give us like 60 seconds as I close. And I want you to think right now, just about an area in your life where you're having difficulty finding God. 
you know, where you're having difficulty seeing God. It doesn't even have to be anything major. It can even seem like something really trivial. Like, don't overthink it. But maybe it's an area where you don't expect God to show up. You know, you don't think that God actually really cares about this area in your life. You know, that prayer of epiphany is just simply, Lord, I want to see. Like, that's it. Just a simple desire expressed in the presence of God, the God who loves you, the God who's with you, the God whose intentions towards you are deeply, deeply good. And just to invite God to give you sight to see where God's presence and activity is, is there for you and with you. So let's just bow our heads for just a minute. And I invite you to pray that prayer. Lord, help me to see. I just invite you, if you feel so led, to even just open up your hands, you know, on your lap or in front of you. This as an embodied posture of openness to God in this season. And God, we pray. We, we put a stake in the ground on this first Sunday in the season of Epiphany in this beginning of 2023. And we just say that we, we long for you, God. You are our heart's desire. And God, we wanna be free. We wanna be free to follow you, Jesus. Not in that sort of safe, stained glass Jesus window sort of a way, but you as alive and real and dynamic and vibrant and courageous holding out your hand to us and saying, follow me, follow me. But God, we need your grace. And just like you did with that blind man in John, now you touched his eyes and you gave him sight to see you. God, that's what we're asking for in this epiphany season. Give us eyes to see and to find you, our heart's desire in all things, that we can join you, God, in the healing and the renewal and the liberation of this world that you love so much. So give us grace. Give us eyes to see. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen.